This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. For more audiobooks and other content, please visit reconstructionistradio.com. Book title: Church Shift. Author: Sunday Adelijah. Published by Charisma House. Copyright: 2008. Narrated by Jason Garwood. Chapter 5. Hard work leads to success. Success in God's kingdom does not come just by finding your promised land, educating yourself, and becoming kingdom-minded. It comes by putting those principles into practice with great effort and diligence. One of the most neglected ingredients in many Christians' lives is plain hard work. There is no shortcut around it. I am convinced that hard work is the missing element in many people's lives and that many spheres of society today are suffering at the hands of the devil because righteous people have not learned to work hard. Hard work can create an unlikely ambassador. Hard work is the wealth of the poor man. Most anyone can work hard, and God will honor his principles by expanding the territory of hardworking people. Remember that God has exalted his principles above his name. He will not violate his principles. We can't just pray a prayer and expect him to expand our borders. We can't just find our promised land and say, Here I am, God, bless me. He has given us strength to conquer that land ourselves through hard work. I am one example of how hard work turned a nobody into a somebody. I had to learn to work hard at an early age as a matter of survival. To this day, I believe I am perhaps the most unlikely person to help lead a nationwide revolution in a former Soviet republic. Yet God is using me to disciple a nation, and I am believing him for much more. How did it happen? I believe it was partly because I learned hard work through very unfortunate circumstances. It became my ladder out of a life of kingdom irrelevance. Without father or mother. Unlike most people reading this book, I grew up with no possessions and little opportunity. I never had real parents. I was born to a mother who chose not to raise me and a father I never knew. He was run out of our village before I was even born because people said he was too violent. I never even knew his name. I grew up among 40 small huts in the Nigerian village of Idomila, Ijebuod, Ogun State. My grandmother raised me, and I grew up believing she was my mother. My biological mother visited occasionally with her new husband and children but I thought she was my aunt. I took the last name of my mother's family, Adelijah. The Adelijahs were a family of kings. My grandfather had been the king of our village, and two of my older uncles and one aunt served in powerful positions in Nigeria. My uncle was a leading figure in the Nigerian Institute of Foreign Affairs. My other uncle was secretary to the Minister of Economics. My aunt was a business tycoon, one of the richest women in the country. My family was Presbyterian, but we did not really know God. While I was growing up, my two uncles and aunt gave our family financial stability and enhanced our reputation among the people. In developing countries, families often depend on a few successful people to sustain them. We were not rich, but our basic needs were met, and my cousins and I had enough money to attend school. But when I was six years old, a great tragedy befell us. Those three family pillars died mysteriously within six months of each other. The coincidence was so strange that a major newspaper ran a front-page story asking, was it a tragedy or a curse? 
Many people believed witchcraft played a role in the deaths. The effect on my family was devastating. Our reputation and our finances plummeted. We were left without leaders. My grandmother, whom I believed was my mother, could hardly cope with the shock of losing three of her children. She went into a coma for an entire year. I was six years old and had no way to survive. I had no food. I was the only member of my family left in the village with my grandmother, who was now incapacitated with grief. I had no choice but to start working to support myself. I went into the bush and cut down trees with an axe, tied the wood into bundles, and took it on my head to the nearest city to sell for firewood. I used the money to buy food and pay my school bills so I could keep learning. When my grandmother got well, she joined me in the chopping and selling firewood. She also taught me to make a cereal from corn pulp. It was like a breakfast custard. I had three jobs when I was just eight years old, harvesting firewood, making custard, and going house to house saying, who wants to buy custard? Who wants to buy firewood? I kept attending school at St. Paul's Anglican Primary School, knowing somehow that education would provide a better future for me. I had to walk several kilometers barefoot to the city to sell my products and several kilometers more to the school in the nearby village. As I grew into an adolescent, I became ashamed and self-conscious of my jobs. It was humiliating to walk the streets hawking wood and custard, but I had to. There was no other way. Then an even worse thing happened. When I was 15, my grandmother died, and I was left virtually alone. I had to fend for myself, so I rented farmland and began farming cassava, a type of yam. I needed the additional income to finish high school. I needed to buy my uniform, pencils, and other supplies, and the money I made selling firewood and custard was not enough. So I cleared and cultivated the land and grew cassava. People in the village would point me out to their children and say, He is alone, but he is making a living for himself. I was a good example to them, but I was angry about my life. I thought there was no God or that he was wicked. I had older uncles whom I considered brothers. One had gotten a scholarship and gone to Moscow to study. He urged me to do the same. He wrote me a letter that said, The only hope you have on Nigeria is to get a scholarship. If you don't finish high school, you will live forever in that village. Scholarships were few and thousands of people applied, but I took his advice and redoubled my efforts to do well in school. I was getting some financial help from my other aunt, whom I considered my sister. She had boyfriends that gave her access to money she shared with her brothers and me. But when I was 18, she came by one day and said she couldn't send me support anymore. I got saved, and I can't have boyfriends again, she told me. I felt like my world had come to an end. I had no concept of being saved or living right. I was living like an unbeliever. I went to church, but also to discos. Now, my one extra source of money was cut off. I managed to finish high school. I was not the top student, but I was good enough to have a shot at a scholarship. At age 18, I left my village to work in a polyester factory in a bigger village. There, I lived with an older relative and applied for a university scholarship. There was a lag time between when I applied and when I would find out if I received the scholarship. I worked all day in the factory, and I liked to come home and relax by watching the news on television. 
One day, a religious program came on after the news. The preacher caught my attention because he was a dean of mathematics at a Nigerian university. For the first time, I considered the gospel message. I became convinced it was true. I wanted God's forgiveness, so I went into my room and repented of my sins. It felt like 200 kilograms of weight dropped from my shoulders. I went to the street immediately and felt like greeting everyone. I was determined to go to the end of the world and tell people that God is real. I began to work even harder after giving my life to Jesus. Instead of just working my way out of poverty, I was now working for an eternal kingdom. Hallelujah. I could not believe the riches I had found. The gospel completely changed my mind and renewed my efforts. I became serious, ambitious, and determined to succeed in life. I stopped spending my time partying or running after girls. Soon the result of my application came. I had passed my school examinations and won a scholarship to study journalism in the Soviet Union. Six months after I met the Lord, I left the shores of Nigeria and headed for the heart of the communist empire. I was so new in Christ that I had never even belonged to a church. The Blessing of Work Hard work and the favor of the Lord rescued me from a life of oblivion. But many believers have wrong ideas about work. They think it's a curse, an obligation, a means of supporting themselves, or a means of getting rich. Even worse, some see work as entirely separate from their kingdom life. They think that working for God and advancing their own career are two different things. But God has established work as a blessing for mankind and for his kingdom. Work was part of Adam's calling before the fall. His job was to subdue the earth, tend the garden, and manage the animals. For us, hard work is a key to subduing our own promised lands. God himself works, and so did Jesus. Quote, but Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. End quote. John chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus worked and works still. Because work was established by his father as something good for humanity. During his earthly life, Jesus worked as a carpenter and as a preacher. He fully devoted himself to the ministry and showed a strong work ethic. Anyone who does not work disgraces himself and steals from the wealth of those who do labor. Quote, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. End quote. Proverbs 18 verse 9. If a man does not work, he gives nothing of value to the world. He is a thief. He is useless to God. We are made to bless each other through our labor. Work is good. You will not fulfill your potential in God's kingdom without hard work. Failure in life never means a person lacks gifts, but it may mean he failed to put the gifts to work. God gives everyone a chance to become successful. The resources you need to impose the kingdom on your sphere of influence are inside of you. Each person will give an account before God of how he used these talents and how much of his potential he fulfilled. Some people don't work because they can't find a job that will pay them what they want. Some don't want to get a job for which they are overqualified. But God will not give you something big if he doesn't see your faithfulness in small things. That low-paying job may be your first step toward discovering and ruling your promised land. Some Christians have amazing talents but experience little results because they have not learned to work. Others are nothing but dreamers. They sit and wait for a breakthrough to come. 
but they forget that success won't drop into their laps like manna from heaven. People who think that God will do everything himself while they just sit around and make big plans are pitiful. A few years ago, our church started a new system of home groups called the System of Twelves. We appointed leaders of each group, but instead of actively seeking members, many leaders waited for 12 people to show up to their meetings. When just one person showed up, they came back to us and said, This system of twelves is ineffective. Nobody came. But they hadn't added the key ingredient, hard work. Work has many side benefits. It gives us money to pay for our basic needs. It keeps us mentally healthy by focusing our minds on something productive. It keeps us out of trouble. It reveals our gifts and helps us discover our potential and abilities. Work is the gift of God to man for him to discover himself. It is the means by which dreams, ideas, and goals become reality. It allows us to become a co-creator with God. It makes us a blessing to other people. It increases our skills and abilities. But by far the most important aspect of work is that it allows us to exercise dominion over all of God's creation. As kings and priests of the earth, we are to do more work and be more diligent than anyone else. Quote, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. End quote. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10. Quote, He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. End quote. Proverbs 12:11 Only those who know how to work hard will be satisfied with results. God is not obliged to bless people who don't work hard, but he that tills his land will be satisfied with bread. It's time to start working hard for the kingdom. I believe I would still be in that village of Nigeria had I not been forced to work hard. Part of God's favor to me was teaching me that lesson. Let's all work hard to develop our gifts, passions, and callings so we might have maximum impact for Christ. Hard work is necessary to develop the nature and character of Christ in ourselves. And hard work is absolutely critical to successfully bring the principles of God into our spheres of influence and in turn into the life of a nation. Remember how much hard work and battle Israel went through to enter its promised land? Let's train ourselves in this key kingdom principle so the land can become ours for the glory of God. Kingdom Principles from Chapter 5 Number 1. Hard work is the wealth of a poor man. Number 2. Hard work is one of the missing elements in many Christians' efforts. Number 3. God has established work as a blessing for mankind and for his kingdom. Number 4. Hard work is a key to subduing your own promised land. Number five, Jesus worked and works still because work was established by his Father as something good for humanity. Number six, by far the most important aspect of work is that it allows us to exercise dominion over all of God's creation. Number seven, God is not obligated to bless people who don't work.